So I'm going to invite some of my friends who came to 456 camp with me this summer. So where are you guys? Drew Altavilla, where are you? Come up here. Finley Slyke, Kyla Stansel. All right, if you guys just want to pop a squat over here, you can take that chair, Kyla. All right, you start out. Oh, Drew, you'll start out with the mic. All right, Drew, so we went to 456 camp this week. Not this week. What am I saying? In June. It wasn't even this month. Um, I'm out of it. This was my finals week this week, so they made me do this on the Sunday of my finals week. Jerry just doesn't like me for some reason, I guess. Um, but anyways, so in June, we got the uh, opportunity to take some of these guys to 456 camp at UCYC, which is up in Prescott. And it was an amazing camp. Uh, the camp theme was rebellious, and it was learning how to be a holy rebel in, for the name of God. And so not just rebelling against the world for the sake of rebelling, but rebelling for Jesus. And so um, the camp was, we did a lot of gaga ball. Did gaga ball probably like eight hours a day. Um, my back was just like over like this the whole time because, you know, you got to play with them. You got to show them like who's boss. So I had to beat them a couple times. RJ Garvey, if he's, if he's here, if he's watching, he was a champion at Gaga Ball. Right, Drew? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, super fun time. Lots of games, lots of activities. I was exhausted at the end of it. And these guys had a really good time too. So I'm going to ask them a couple questions about camp for them. So Drew, going into camp, what was, like, what were you expecting? Like, what did you think about UCYC and going to camp, like a Christian camp, before you ever went? Wait, what was the question? <laughs> what did you expect going into camp, like, before you went? Were you nervous? Were you excited? I was excited to go, because I've never been, like, to a camp. Mm -hmm. And my brother told me stories about it. <laughs> Were they good stories or bad stories? Good stories. Good stories. Okay, that's good. Watching you, Luke. So I was excited to do stuff there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. You want to pass it to Finley? Finley, when you before you went to camp, what were you like? What were you expecting? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Um, I was really excited and also a little nervous because also I had never been to an overnight camp before. Mm-hmm. And, like, my cousins have showed me pictures and videos, and I was really excited. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Kyla, what about you? What did you think going into UCYC? It was fun. Um. What did you expect beforehand? Were um, you like, um, did, did Simon and Eli scare you off before, or were they, like, were they hyping it up? Uh, they didn't really tell me stories about it. They didn't tell you anything <laughs> about it? Come on, guys. What's your deal? You guys gotta like hype up the next generation. Come on. I was excited to go. You're excited? Mm -hmm. Cool. So Kyla, what was your favorite memory of 456 camp other than like basically like breaking your ankle on that <laughs> hike? Um, we, uh, I feel like, um, I just, uh, I don't know. We'll come back to you. Finley, what was your favorite memory? Um, Probably the lip sync battle doing it with all my friends. Oh, I forgot about that. that. Yeah, that was super part. fun. Yeah. I think that's what that's a picture. No, I don't know. Mm, yeah, that's just that... RJ kind of creeping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so lip sync battle. What song did you guys do for the lip sync battle? Um, oh, yeah, Rotten to the Core. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was good. Drew, what was your favorite 
Um, Memories. My favorite thing was like playing Gaga Ball. And um, when we had like free time, we would go play Go Fish on the top bunk. So that was fun. Because <laughs> I'd mostly win. I didn't realize Go Fish was still a thing until this camp. I'm like, oh, okay. Guess kids still play that. Uh, Kylo, so we're, we're going to come back to you. What was your favorite memory, or any um, memory? In our free camp? time, we'd play Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. <laughs> what? And so, so uh, it's a game where you like slap down cards. But anyways, some girls from uh, the other churches, they would play too. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to just bond with them and stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is fun. So what did you guys take away from your time at camp? Do you feel like you're different at all? Do you feel like anything happened there that was significant? Um, I feel like I got a closer connection with Jesus. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Finley? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a clap-worthy thing. I feel like I, like, understood it a lot more than I did, and like, I, like she said, I got a closer relationship with Jesus. Mm, cool. We learned, like, more about the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we also got to, like, know, like, the people we're staying with more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. So, last question. What would you say to somebody who's thinking about going, into, going to camp next year? Would you, would you recommend it? What would you say about camp? Was it fun? Would you recommend, it? Would you recommend this service to a friend? Yes. Yes. Why? Just yes, all right. It was fun. <laughs> Finley, what about you? Would you recommend, what would you say to somebody who's thinking about going to 456 camp but doesn't know if they want to go? I would tell them, like, it's really fun and you can go with your friends so you'll, like, know people there and it's just a good way to uh, learn about Jesus more. Mm-hmm, cool. I would say it's really fun, but I'd say kids do not jump on the rocks there. <laughs> 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 yeah, don't jump on the rocks, guys. You'll end up with a twisted ankle like she did. So I'm going to pray for these guys. So if you guys want to reach out a hand towards them, we're just going to bless them um, from their time at camp. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to fill these students. I pray that uh, when they go through the trials of life, God, that you'd be right there with them and that they wouldn't miss church into the world wherever they go. Amen. Uh, you can hand me that mic. And now I'm going to invite some of our high school and middle school students up with Kiana. She's going to interview them about their time at beach camp. Give them a round of applause. Okay. okay, hello. My name is Kiana. I'm one of the interns here. And I got to go to beach camp with some of the youth. Um, we went up to Pepperdine. We spent a lot of time at the beach. We did a beach cleanup. We went to Six Flags Magic Mountain. And did tons of different stuff. So you guys can introduce yourselves and your grade. Okay. Hi. I'm in ninth grade. Hi, I'm Avery, and I'm in eighth. <laughs> All right, so first question. What did you expect going into camp? Um, I expected to have a lot of fun and go to the beach a lot and bond. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, I honestly expected the campus to be like right on the beach so like we had our own private beach but it's fine we didn't we didn't get that it's like a 10 minute drive but that's fine it's fine um and then um also the campus to be a lot smaller but it was huge yeah we had it's a like hike huge. every day to the 
to <laughs> breakfast and dinner. It was a long walk. All right, so what is your guys' favorite memory from beach camp? Um, I really liked the warship. Also, when Ian took us to the wrong magic mountain. Yeah, thanks, Ian, for taking us to the real magic mountain and not Six Flags magic mountain. Um, one of my favorite memories was um, putting a trash bag on my head and having a bat and running around the dorms. And then also playing hide and seek in the dark with everyone. It was so much fun. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I don't think any leaders were with you, though. <laughs> Okay, so what is your biggest takeaway from camp? What did you learn while um, you were there? That God has a plan for everyone, and everyone's put into place in your life and stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> um, we did this, like, letter exercise thing where um, when we think of, like, God, like, what do you, like, what things do you think of? And there we had, like, took up, like, a really big table and, like, had like little letter thingamajiggers and then like <laughs> it like took up almost the whole table and like it kind of just showed me like that there's so many things like you can call him like he's un it's like undescribable yeah that's really cool and now we have a bonus question that jacob asked the last group what would you say to a friend who's considering going to camp you should definitely go because it's really fun and it's a great time time to bond with people good <laughs> I love that photo. <laughs> um, 10 out of 10, highly recommend, five stars. Yes. Really good experience. Camp was a good time, a fun mm -hmm. time, always. And I'm gonna invite Jacob back up, wherever he is. Thank you. Hello, my name is Jacob, if you didn't figure that out by now. Uh, I'm the youth director here at Desert City. I just started in this position a couple months ago, and it's been such a blast. Um, so today, we're going to be continuing in our series on Acts with the story of the Ethiopian official. So if you have your Bibles with me, either digitally or a more holy paper one, um, open up to Acts 8, 26 through 40. Acts 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, unless someone explains it to me? I'm glad I'm not the only one who's confused when reading Isaiah. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. 
Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So today I wanted to look at this story for two reasons. One, Jared, my boss, told me to. And two, I think it uh, illuminates and is helpful for understanding some lessons that I've learned from this past year of youth ministry. So the first lesson I think this past never expect. So Philip in this story probably never expected to be teaching an Ethiopian about the kingdom of God. Ethiopia was this faraway country for Israel as it is for us today. And it's kind of the equivalent. Like Ethiopia was seen as the ends of the earth to the first century Jew. And so um, Philip probably wasn't like waking up as the one true God. Their prophets actually in the writings foretold a day when this exact thing would happen. But the problem for them was that they expected it to happen at the end of time, at the end of the age. They didn't realize that God's kingdom was breaking in right here and right now, right where they stood. And so, like many people in Philip's day, I had a very narrow view of like, what, what God could do and where his kingdom was actually working. And so, to be completely honest with you, I really didn't have much faith in what youth ministries could do growing up. Um, I had a wonderful youth pastor growing up and a wonderful youth ministry. He's actually here in this room right now. Um, but my cynicism taught me to believe that um, you could only like, have success in youth ministry with people who grew up in the church, for people whose parents were forcing them there. I didn't see youth ministry as able to reach people who didn't previously know God before. And I also seriously doubted how much students could grow in their walk with Jesus. There's something in my mind that told me that, and there's this kind of prevailing thing in our culture, that students aren't able to take God seriously. And it's this really sad like, expectation we put on people because it's just completely false. We don't think that they're capable of praying. We don't think that they're capable of leading worship or teaching when they're capable of doing all these things. And it's so like, frustrating to see people not believe in these students sometimes. Uh, but thankfully, God has shown me and proven me wrong and how much bigger he is than I ever imagined. The simple invitation of a friend has changed somebody's life who didn't previously know Jesus in our youth group. And the power of the Holy Spirit has brought life into places. That I've seen students go from not knowing what to do with the Bible to reading the Bible and finding life from it. I've seen students go from uh, not being able to pray and being confused at what to do when they get to prayer to being comfortable in prayer and even praying in front of other people. And it's just amazing at what God has been doing. And I've been humbled honestly, by all of this, seeing how, how much they're growing in their faith right now. Because when I was their age, I didn't want anything to do with God seriously. I pretended like I was a good kid. I pretended like I was going to youth group, but I didn't seriously engage with the kingdom like they are right now. And it just made me so happy seeing them do this. And so my question for you at this point 
is what would it look like for you to expand the horizons of what you think God can do in your life, in you and the people around you? How have you been making God really smaller than he really is? Because God's expectations far exceed what we can even imagine. Jesus said to the disciples, greater things than this you will do, speaking of his own ministry, saying that the disciples would go on to do better things than even he had done. And so when we have our imagination open to what God is doing and what he can do, our life becomes so much more powerful and transforming. And so the second um, lesson I think this passage teaches us is that God blesses both the giver and receiver of the gospel. In this episode of Acts, we witness the gospel blessing both Philip, the one delivering the gospel. Verse 39, we read that the Ethiopian official went on his way rejoicing. Praise God. His life has just been turned upside down by Jesus, and it's recorded here in Scripture to show us just how far God's kingdom is expanding. And I think we all have stories when we first encountered Jesus, how our life was just transformed. We went from death to life with Jesus. Everything changed. But I think what's more amazing in this passage is the implied joy of Philip from preaching the gospel. And then he began to preach in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Luke isn't saying that Philip was like, okay, God, I guess after this guy came to know Jesus in a way I didn't expect, I'm just going to like have to go to all these towns and preach the gospel. No, it's when, when the, the authors of the Bible say that somebody's filled with the Spirit of the Lord. This is implying joy and happiness in this ministry. And so it's like Philip got a taste of God's kingdom, and he couldn't get enough of it. The joy that came from proclaiming the gospel to the Ethiopian overflowed in him so that he couldn't help himself but tell everyone about Jesus. There's a joy that comes from proclaiming the gospel to others. In our church culture today, it's really commonplace to hear and talk about the cost of on the emotional, spiritual, and family life. And I, I don't want to downplay that reality. I think that's true, and I think there's a lot of pain that happens in the church, especially for people who are involved in professional ministry. But, I don't, but what we don't hear is how much joy comes from being a minister of the gospel. We don't hear how much joy comes from teaching people about Jesus, teaching people how to pray and read the Bible. Um, my own personal joy in youth ministry has just overflowed this past year. I don't think I've honestly ever been happier in my life than I have been ministering to these students. Um, it's like my life has a purpose now, and every day I wake up knowing that no matter what happens, I can still do what God is calling me to do. No matter what circumstances hit me, no matter how I'm feeling that day, I can still love these students, and it gives me life and purpose. And it's not that I've just witnessed this in myself, this joy from proclaiming the gospel. I've witnessed this also in our Club 5-8 leaders, our student leaders who um, serve with us on Sunday mornings every single week, day in and day out. Um, and they've just shown this joy and this excitement about teaching their peers and their fellow students and their younger students about Jesus. And I'm just like absolutely so proud of them. And it's, it's one of these things that like brings me to tears thinking about how a year ago, these were students that... I was teaching and I was just hanging out with, but now they've gone from being people who just hear what I'm saying to now they're, they're, we're co-workers in the gospel together. It's not like we're, like we're, we're partners in this, in this ministry together. And I've just never like felt so much love and excitement about like a group of students before. 
Um, and so if you guys could just give a round of applause to these Club 5.8 leaders. They're amazing. And this, is a this isn't like a, a weird phenomenon that's happening with them, this joy that they're getting from serving and telling others about Jesus. This happens every time we tell other people about Jesus. God blesses both the giver and the receiver. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. They're experiencing the joy that comes from like, actively being a part of God's kingdom. And so my question for you this week is, will you be an active participant in God's kingdom? Or are you just going to sit on the sidelines? There's not going to be any spectators in heaven. Either we'll be gloriously involved with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forever, or we won't be at all. There is no in-between. There's no just sitting on the sidelines and watching what's happening in the kingdom and watching what's happening in this church, watching what's happening that Jesus is doing. You have to be a part of it. You have to go in and be a part of the day-in, day-out life of the kingdom. And this isn't to guilt or shame you guys. This is to show you that the eternal life of God is available to each and every single one of you. All you have to do is accept Jesus' invitation into his eternal life, into this fullness of life that we can experience through following him and walking with him. So we're going to enter into a time of prayer now. And... Um, I'm calling this an embodied call and response. And what a call and response is, I'm going to say something, and then we all say it together. And these call and responses, um, they help us by, um, sometimes we don't know what to pray. No, God, I don't know what to say. And you just kind of start making up words, and it doesn't make any sense. But these kind of prayers that are written out, they're words from somebody else. They help us reconnect our minds and our bodies with God. And so something we like to do with our students at Desert City is to go beyond just the information of the gospel and use all of our bodies in mind and response. I will say the first line, and then we'll say the second line together. So again, I will say the first line, then we'll all say the second line together. At church growing up in a Lutheran church, people mess this up all the time. Oh my gosh. Um, and so to make this more kid-friendly, since it's a family Sunday service, with our minds, but with, also with our bodies, um, in C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, he talks about there's this older demon, this younger demon, and the older demon remarks to the younger demon that humans forget that prayer is both an activity of the body and the mind. It's not just like we're praying words. It's we're these whole holistic beings that every part of us must be engaged to fully encounter God. And so um, while I encourage everyone to participate, if you're uncomfortable or unwilling or just this feels weird, no worries, no guilt or shame. Um, so if you guys want to stand up with me actually right now. So this first one, we're going to cup our hands, you know, like God has the whole world in his hands, that kind of thing. Jesus, you created the world with the Father and the Spirit at the beginning of time, holding the whole world in your hands. We accept you, King Jesus, as creator of the world. So now we're going to extend our arms like this. Like, you see your best friend, you're going to like, hey, man, let's hug, if you're a hugging kind of person. Jesus, you made your kingdom available to ordinary people like us, inviting us to eat with you at your table and forgiving us our sins. We accept you, King Jesus, as our gracious host. So now we're going to lift our hands in worship. I know we don't really do this at Desert City, but we're going to do it right now. Jesus, you conquered evil by your life, death, and resurrection. 
We accept you, King Jesus, as victor over all. And so now we're going to get Catholic or Anglican, depending on your preference, and we're going to kneel. Give you a little extra time to do this. We're not used to this. Jesus, you said you will come again to judge the living and the dead. We accept you, King Jesus, as the judge of the living and the dead. All right, you can stand back up with me. Thank you for joining with me in that. I know it's a little different. Um, so let's pray. King Jesus, we ask that your kingdom would continue to expand to the ends of the earth. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would enable us to be a part of your big mission for saving the world. As Philip was called by the Spirit, God, would you call us right now? Would you show us areas of our lives, God, where we've made you smaller than you are, where we've diminished your expe our expectations of who you are? So God, would you give us the gift of faith to step out into your kingdom and to be a light to this world?